When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Vikings fans, what's your biggest off-season fear? Oh my gosh, that's scarier than I thought it would be. So today, if you didn't figure it out from that, we're going to talk I'm terrified. about... terrified. What was that? What just happened? That, that was that was Manny and scary music, and uh, I'm terrified as well and disturbed. <laughs> Whenever but, you give me a, a, a production behind the scenes project to work on, caller, I tend to have too much fun with it. You know sometimes. what? I never I never uh, listened to it before you put it on air because I trust you. But now I'm like freaked out for the rest of the day. So, <laughs> well, the the reason that Manny played that disturbing intro was that I put it out there on Twitter today. Since there seemed to be a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans upset that they have not signed anyone except for Anthony Barr and Shamar Stefan, uh, I wanted to put it out there for Vikings fans to share their biggest off season fears. Um, you're listening to Purple Daily, by the way, Matthew Collar. Rami Maklov and Judd Zulged. Judd, basically the flu game here today. I'm surprised to see you, Judd. Are you okay? I think so. 80%? We'll find out. Um, I took four naps yesterday. By the time I woke up from my last four one, naps. I felt Ooh. pretty, I felt pretty good. I didn't, I was very tempted to come in, into work y- yesterday because I thought it was going to be the start of free agency, which of course was boring. But, uh, I thought to myself, you know, I'm just going to spread this thing if I go in today. Great. So yeah. I, I think I'm fine now. I'd say 85%. You don't think you're contagious now? I think I was more contagious on Tuesday <laughs> when I sort of didn't feel good, but still worked. Oh, good. So if you got it from me, <laughs> oh, good. it was right. Tuesday. Perfect. It's, it's usually before awesome. it hits you, yes. right? Yeah, it's that not after. Contagious? Cool. Yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm probably fine now, but if, if you're sick, it's because I worked with you on Tuesday. That's Great. like a sick prank from God, isn't it? You're just like, oh, stay away from the coughing guy. Yeah, too late, buddy. Like, that was three days ago that he infected everyone. That might that be one. my biggest off-season fear is uh, catching the flu from Judd. The flu from my Judd, favorite yeah. is when I go to an open mic and... And somebody who's up like way, way before me goes up and talks into the microphone about how sick they are oh, into the very great. microphone that I'm going to talk into yeah, in 10 minutes. You can't wash that thing. No. No, you, you can't. can't put some Dawn on it. <laughs> like, nope, we all got to use that. Uh, so uh, I threw it out there for people to uh, tell me their fears, to share their uh, deepest things that keep them up at night about 
the Minnesota Vikings. And no surprise from this fan base, guys. I got a ton of responses from Really? People. Yes. What? So I, I want to start out with the, the biggest themes of what is uh, frightening Vikings fans at this moment. And the biggest one is the two guards. That right now, the Minnesota Vikings have no guards. <laughs> they have draft picks in the first, second, and third round and beyond. They have no money to work with in the salary cap. Nick Easton might just be like on hold, waiting for days and days. Like, think just, about that for a second. Just hold too. on, buddy. We'll get you. Nick, some, we'll get some Nick salary Easton cap on hold. Right. Yeah. Like, if you have to put Nick Easton on hold, what type of salary cap hell have you created for yourself? So, I, I guess I, in going through these, I want to figure out which one of these are realistic fears and which ones people should not be that afraid of. The guards is definitely the, a realistic fear, right? That makes uh, sense. Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. All right. What do we even think the solution for the guards is? It's got to be at least one of them's got to be in the draft, right? Has to. Be. It's got to be. Riley Reef. I was going to say, or you're draft moving Riley Reef over draft there. Tackle. You know, the problem with this is even if they move Everson Griffin today or they cut Everson Griffin today to create his cap space or if they traded Trey Wayne's away to use his cap space there's no one left to sign that when you look through all the yeah. the well, guards that would have been an actual upgrade to Tom Compton and Mike Remmers those guys are already off the board when you're done with fears I, we need to talk about the Griffin philosophy well, you're hitting on another big fear that people but, have sent me. Like, is this that makes no sense. Mike Zimmer has strong-armed the front office into keeping all these defensive players, so now they once again can't build an offensive line. Day four, Vikings held hostage by defensive head coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that, one, is that legit? Yes. That's a legit fear for you guys? Yes, because I don't know what they're doing. Well, it... Uh, it seems to me, logically, all of the things that we talked about when when this uh, free agency period or the open tampering period was about to start, logically, I don't think any of us went down the road that they were going to ultimately bring back Anthony Barr. And offensively now, and it's not just the line, it's the third receiver, it's other things. No, they have big plans for Laquan Treadwell. Nothing's been addressed. So yes, I I think it's a lo- I think it's a logical fear to wonder if if the head coach's emphasis is so strongly on defense that he's basically told these guys offensively do what you have to do, but I'm not giving up guys that I value. See, that's how it seems. I, it what they're doing on some level makes sense to me because going into the offseason, we all assumed that they were going to lose Anthony Barr. We were talking about it as though it was a foregone conclusion for weeks on this station. And the closer it got to them actually losing Anthony Barr, I looked at the reality of it, and you were going to lose Sheldon Richardson. That was a done deal. Everson Griffin, I don't think any of us wanted to bring him back, Anthony Barr or not, at the price tag that he's currently at. And if you let Barr walk as well, you've lost three of your four best players on your front seven. And I think they looked at it and they went, look, Mike Zimmer is a defensive genius, but can we really afford to do that? And they decided we either have to pay Griffin at the current price tag that we have him and keep him or bring back Anthony Barr. And they chose Anthony Barr. And I don't know about you guys, but I can't really take issue with, A, the decision to not let all three of those guys walk away, and, B, if you're going to choose one of those three guys, to choose Anthony Barr. The only problem then comes back to why is Griffin still here right now? 
Well, they're working on and, that. And I disagree. I do not think, I do not believe that as we sit here right now having this discussion, the loss of the Everson Griffin that he's become at 31 now is that big of a deal. He's still one of, he's still one of your three best players on your defensive front seven, or one of your four at least. Hunter, better for sure. Linval, front seven, better for sure. You would put Linval Bar- Joseph ahead of him after oh. one down year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think Joseph's extremely talented. I also don't think it's a regular down year. I mean, this is a down year where he had to miss yeah, five games for I get a, that. an off-field thing. And when you're 31 years old, a down year could mean a down career. Now, to your point about Anthony Barr being replaced, I did write at our website for Mike Zimmer's defense, it's a good move because of how versatile Anthony Barr is. The price tag is a lot. And I looked back at the games where they played Eric Wilson who's not considered like a starting player, he's an undrafted guy who played on special teams his first year. The games where he played, not all of them were filling in for Anthony Barr. One was for Eric Hendricks. Against Detroit in a 24-9 win, the 25-20 loss in Chicago in which the defense played very well, but there was a pick six involved. Then the win over Detroit 27-9 toward the end of the season and the final game against Chicago, the loss 24-10 in which... They had held the Chicago offense down until the fourth quarter. They were not destroyed by having Eric Wilson in there instead of Anthony Barr. And that's the thing with Zimmer and his ability to call plays and scheme up defenses is last year they had a lot of things go wrong. Holton Hill had to play. He wasn't supposed to play at all. Mike Hughes was lost for the season. They missed Linval Joseph for a game. They missed Everson Griffin for five games. And yet they finished fourth in the league in defense. And I'm not saying that his play calling alone could overcome anything, but I think if they don't nail it in the draft with a guard or a tackle and find somebody else too, whether it's Nick Easton or a scheme fit guy that's down the board that fills in this spot, we're going to be doing the same dance we were last year when we kept saying, hey, Will Hernandez looks good, <laughs> right? I mean, if it has that same feeling that we're going to be saying to ourselves, yeah, you know, Anthony Barr is really good, but they can't block anyone on the interior. And Akeem Hicks and Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels just ate you to death. But you <laughs> you had the fourth best defense in the league last year, and you probably want to keep it that way. The, you're, not, you're not going to be able to do enough on offense to make that the strength of your team and, and make up for enough of the losses on defense that you'll take a big step forward as an organization, well, you can't you, now. You can't now right, no. take those steps forward to be good enough offensively. But the question will be: Could you have? So could, I don't think they could have. So the simplest question right now to me is: Is this bars back? Zim loves bar. I get that. All right. Let's just say I'm willing to accept that completely. The simplest question right now comes back to: Why is Everson Griffin still here? Why is he this not? Should been, have been an easy. Tra- yeah, yeah, and it should have been made on Monday. And I realize that the come comeback is well. The, the salary's not fully guaranteed until 3 p.m. on Friday, and therefore they're going to walk it up to that. But I would have created this space on Monday, and I would have said, okay, I would have called around and tried to get a sixth-round pick, and if I couldn't, I, I let him go, and therefore I can at least dip into the market again. So why is he still here? The only hang-up I can see is somebody's desperately trying to protect him and get him to restructure. This is a guy I wouldn't even restructure him. I would have just said, that's a lot of space. We've gotten a lot of good years from him. Let's create the space. 
So, so what? L- uh, the way that I'm thinking about just the offseason in general is in points. And how do you make up the number of points you need to catch up with the best teams? So when you look at the three best teams in the NFC, what their point differentials were, all pretty similar. The Chicago Bears plus 138. The New Orleans Saints plus 151. And the Los Angeles Rams plus 143. Any guesses what the Vikings were last year? Someone guess. Plus 100. 19. Plus 19. You have to make up 120 points in point differential. That means you either take away 120 points or you add on offense 120 points or some combination of both. So if they have a similar defense to what they had last year, let's say Kirk Cousins doesn't throw as many pick sixes or, or fumbles, strip sack fumbles. So even if you added 30 to that, 35 to that, and say he doesn't fumble for touchdown as many times, you're still talking about needing to add 100 points somehow when you already had a great defense. How are you doing that? Like with the players that they have right now, they're all the same. Well, and, and I know I know what they're thinking. I just don't think it's possible. They're thinking a schematic change is going to help do that. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think it will get you some more points. It should get you a, a better, more productive season, at least eye test-wise, if not statistically, from the quarterback. But I also don't think it's fair or or realistic to hang on to every one of your toys or try and be like, I mean, this this from an outsider's point of view, not knowing what's going on internally in Egan, this seems to me like a petulant child saying, I'm not giving that. No, I, I won't give that up. No, I won't give. And at some point in time, somebody's going to say, Mike, you can't keep everything. So if we're getting a bar back, Griffin has to go. And, and I don't buy for one second. I, I do buy that the Vikings are getting calls on Waynes and Rhodes. Right now, if they're gone in the next couple of days, I will be shocked. I will be shocked. I think this is Zimmer because if you go back a, a year, and I think Collar would agree with me on this, if you go back a year when Kirk Cousins was introduced, Zimmer looked miserable. Zimmer looked like, and I remember the other guy who was in the building at the time, and he was thrilled about this, was Sheldon Richardson. And Zimmer, Zimmer looked like, and you couldn't prove it very much at the time, like a guy who was thinking to himself, really, we're going to pay a quarterback this much, really? You know, Case Keenum just, not, now he couldn't stand him, but he had had success there. And to me now, this is playing out like a guy who said, okay, you can sign your quarterback, you. You can sign your quarterback for my team and my defense, but I'm not giving up anything else. So if Griffin's gone, I won't be, I won't be totally surprised. But anything else that goes now, and, and we talked about, you know, perhaps trading Waynes or Rhodes, I will be surprised because I think he's hanging on for dear life to every one of these guys that he possibly can. And from the standpoint of does this make sense for the entire team, not just one side of the ball, I don't think it does. And the other the other thing, oh, sorry, too, with, with thinking and assuming that Griffin is going to be gone, we all thought Anthony Barr was going to be gone. Yeah. It was a foregone conclusion. We all said there was no way in hell he was coming back, and now he's back with a big contract. So 
how can we for sure even think that Everson Griffin is going to be gone? That's what I was just about to ask you guys. Do you all really think that they could have lost all three of those guys, Richardson, Griffin, and Barr, and and not taken a, a big step back on defense just because yeah. of Mike Zimmer? Yeah. No, I no, it's not just because of Mike Zimmer. It's because Daniil Hunter is a premier player at his position. Linval Joseph played at a Pro Bowl level. Harrison Smith might be a top 10 defensive player. And two cornerbacks that were excellent last year and even better in 2000. 2017, if Xavier Rhodes is even slightly healthier, he gets back to where he was supposed to be, that you still have so much talent. And you also have been developing talent. Steven Weatherly, they draft Jalen Holmes last year in the fourth. They drafted Jaleel Johnson two years ago in the fourth. And Zimmer has been just fantastic at doing that, at developing guys to become their starters. You have Mike Hughes coming back. You have Holton Hill going into his second year. That It's not like Mike Zimmer was left with a, 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 a with nothing in the cupboard. No, but I just think were, that's, that's a lot to ask. Well, if That's a lot were, to ask. The problem is if those players weren't so overrated, I would agree. Where with Anthony Barr, I think that he's a fascinating and unique player. But when you look at how he compares to the other linebackers in the league, he's just okay. It's not irreplaceable. And Sheldon Richardson was very good at his job, but he wasn't a great run stuffer and he was inconsistent. Just kind of how he's been since he left the New York Jets. And at that three-technique position, when they were number one in the NFL in defense, they had Tom Johnson and Shamar Stephan there. Like, they can make up for those losses because there's so much talent around it. And maybe the number one defensive play caller in the entire NFL, aside from Bill Belichick. I'll rephrase. All right. Think about it this way. At 4 o'clock today, TCO Performance Center, Egan, you're going to have a press conference. And this is a team that we all agreed offensively needed help, right? Offensive line, no question, right? Yes. We're, we're all there. And they're going to introduce or reintroduce two players, Shamar Stephan and Anthony Barr. You've done nothing for your offense. Nothing. And, all right, if you thought Barr was going to come back, then Griffin needed to be gone, logically, common sense-wise, on Monday to create some more cap room to perhaps do I do, do agree things. with you on that. You did not do that. Uh, the other thing is... I've covered this team on a full-time basis since 2005. So the, the entire team time that the Wilfs have owned this club. And the the bar re-signing, bringing him back, flies in the face of everything that this team does structurally from a cap standpoint in the sense that when they decided that they want a guy like Barr back, he's done a year out. And he's done, it's, it's a strategy, and it's actually pretty good. This was done in an, oh my God, we can bring him back, let's just do it. It's a hurry- it's panicked. And this doesn't mean he's not going to be good, but they are flying in the face of how they ordinarily structure things. And just to swing back to the point that I was making earlier, when the Vikings went to the NFC Championship, their point differential was plus 130. And when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl in 2017, their point differential was plus 162. Again, the Vikings was plus 19 last year. Do you know what team scored more points than them offensively last season? I think this is the best way to put it. Cincinnati scored more points than the Vikings did last year. The New York Giants scored more points. Carolina scored more points than them. And then you get into the fairly good teams. But, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals scored more I was waiting for you to say Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville did not. But, But think about this. I mean, San Francisco only scored 18 fewer points than the Vikings did last year. Right. Week... Was it two? Garoppolo, yeah. When did he? When did he? It was um, week two or three. Try yeah. to run or whatever. Yeah, we, yeah. 
I mean, when you think about it that way, with Cincinnati scoring more points than you, the Giants, you have to make up these points on offense. And I get what you're saying, Rami. I'm not dismissing Anthony Barr as a good player. I mean, that's when I break down the versatile things he can do and the potential role that he can fill here. You could see the guy's going to have value for sure. It's just if you're talking about how you catch up to the NFC's best. I would say, based on looking at the point differentials for the past few years, you got to be over, you got to be plus 100 or above to even be having the conversation about being an NFC championship team or a Super Bowl team. Everybody who's making it has these great point differentials. The teams that didn't that made the playoffs, like Dallas, they were out pretty fast. So you would have let all three of those guys walk, and whatever cap space you could have created, all of it goes well, to the offensive side of the I ball. I always think of this just for numbers, for points. So how many more points am I giving up by letting go Everson Griffin, who didn't do much last year, by letting go Anthony Barr, who's been wildly up and down, and Sheldon Richardson you weren't keeping anyway? How many points differential? Well, I think they'd be about the same as they were last year. They missed Barr for some games, and they made up for it just fine. They missed Everson Griffin for five games, and they were still okay. And Sheldon Richardson was really inconsistent, but they have filled that spot in the past. I would say they were ninth in points allowed, which includes the pick sixes and stuff. Sure. If they were ninth again and they don't have the pick sixes, but their defense is a little a little worse. I mean, you're good with that. Y- yes, I would of have. Course. I would have gone to Mike and I. I would have said Mike Gri- uh, Griffin's gone. He's just gone. He's he's at an age now where we're not sure of what we're going to get going forward. So he's going to be cut or traded. But I will give you a list of three names, and those three will be gone, and you pick, and it would have been. Richardson, Barr, or four names, I'm sorry, Waynes and Rhodes. And I, I would have said two more of those are gone. You you pick. You tell me. But we've got to create room. And and at this point in time, we're not doing it. And if I'm not mistaken here, I don't recall this franchise operating this close to the cap in a long, long time. And clearly that's that's on the QB. I get that. He's a twenty nine mm-hmm. million dollar cap in two thousand nineteen. But that's the pool that you chose to jump into. And so, Mike, you're a really good coach, and I trust you on defense, but we can't keep all of your toys. Sorry. Here's just a little crazy quick math for just how the NFL works and the difference between having a great offense and defense and how that helps you win. The difference between the first and ninth best defense last year was about 64 points. About four points a game. Sure. The difference between the best offense and the ninth best offense in scoring was 176 points. There's a lot more ground to make up there, uh, is what you're saying. And they've done nothing to close the gap. And that's the thing. Like Now, if they've got a plan, look. They Golden, brought in Gary Kubiak. Golden, they didn't do nothing. Right, and that might be some points right off the bat. But if the plan is to release Everson Griffin and sign Golden Tate tomorrow, then... All right. I, I mean, I'm on board. And then draft two offensive linemen, and there's some points right there. But if the plan is to hope that there's something secretly special about Laquan Treadwell and bringing back Nick Easton, this goes to the greatest Vikings fears. Half of these people tweeted if they think that Nick Easton is going to fix the offensive line. And we never know how a rookie is going to do. In fact, in the break, I will look up how all the rookies did last year that were not drafted ahead of where the Vikings are drafted. So all the rookies from last year that played and were drafted from the middle of the first round and back. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to Purple Daily, your greatest Vikings fears for this offseason. 651-646-8255. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, Rami Maklov, Manny Hill producing. We'll be right back here on Score North.
Vikings fans, what's your biggest off-season fear? It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. When did the dunk contest jump the shark? If you actually pulled out a stuffed shark and jumped it to dunk. Oh, yeah, and then ended it. I love that. The dunk contest did jump the shark, but I thought actually, was it last year that I was thoroughly entertained by the dunk contest? Do you guys remember who won it last year? (laughs) (laughs) What else are you going to watch this weekend? The AAF? I'd rather drink. Mackie and Judd with Rami. On Score North and scorenorth.com. Your North flag fly. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. All right, we are back here on Purple Daily. Your biggest fears. You want to play it again, Manny? I know you do. You got a big smile on your face. I know you do. Of course I do. I'm chomping at the bit every time I can. Okay, go ahead. Vikings fans, what's your biggest off-season fear? I didn't know Manny could be like, so creepy. Manny, are you at my house right now? <laughs> <laughs> I was inspired by Scream when uh, I was. I, I think yeah, I, I love I that movie. I, I yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. What's uh, your favorite scary movie? Okay, don't do that. <laughs> actually, actually, Manny, can you Hello, just Sydney? Can you just use that same voice and say like? We're not even drafting a guard in the first round. <laughs> We're not even drafting a guard in the first round. <laughs> oh, man. Really good. Really resonates with you when he says it like that. <laughs> that is another one of the biggest fears. Can so- you say the biggest free agent signing is coming from inside the house? <laughs> <laughs> and, and true and very true. Uh, so we're going through these fears that people sent me. For the off season, we will keep you abreast of the situation with Everson Griffin. If he is traded, if he's let go, uh, or if they work out a restructured contract, we will let you know. Um, one of the fears is that it will be Mike Boone as RB2 and Laquan Treadwell as wide receiver three. I think that's fair. Now, Judd, the one that you would appreciate the most is that people are really concerned they're going to draft another kicker. So since we spent the entire last segment (laughs) arguing about offensive defense, um, they do have to sign a kicker. I mean, this is how dire this cap situation is. And I mean, they need a backup quarterback. They need another running back. They need at least another wide receiver, even if they think Treadwell's going to, you know, run into some Mary uh, Magic pixie dust and become good even if they think those things like they don't have enough players on the roster right now yeah. including kicker well that yeah that and they they supposedly like the guy who went uh as a free agent from the jets to the seahawks but of course they couldn't afford him well he was an all pro too so everyone likes him but the issue the issue here is is why didn't you or why wouldn't you have freed up some of this cash for Tuesday to actually wade into that pool and begin talking to, to guys. They're they're in a position now they can't talk to guys basically because they've got nothing. So um, I think the fear about drafting kicker, which I actually hadn't thought of, is a pretty good fear because you got to think you know I wouldn't put it past Rick again to get creative, especially if they hire said kicking coach, kicking specialist coach to think for Rick to think. Finally, oh, I can man. go to the SEC and get my guy and the new Joe Schmo, who's my kicking consultant uh, coach. He will work with him. Yeah, it's a good one. I think it's a very reasonable fear. The Treadwell that's... fear is very real as well. But if they don't have a uh, a proven kicker, I mean, that's going to terrify people all through training camp. No, but these are all things where, where they are doing their best, it seems like, to distance Zim from areas he does not enjoy that much. He doesn't like 
quarterbacks. He certainly does not like being involved or having to feel that he has to be involved with the offense, right? And he definitely can't stand kickers. So you got Kubiak, and now you're going to get potentially a kicking coach. So they're they're distancing him so Rick can bring in his guys then to potentially work with these guys. Uh, before I get to a couple other of the fears, have you guys ever done something incredibly stupid? Or Every day. Just, Every day say, of my life. Stop. Let me finish yeah. 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 <laughs> I know you have. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Using the microphone. Shot of basketball. Shot of basketball. Did. Yeah, shot of basketball is regrettable for you. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but but then said, then like unironically said, I regret nothing. Yes. Like, uh, because Tom Coughlin just did that. He said he did not regret the Blake Bortles extension, which he should have regretted by training camp when Judd and I stood on the sidelines at TCO Performance Center and watched those joint practices where Bortles could not complete a pass in training camp. He should have regretted that contract extension. Sorry, it's just, it is absolutely hilarious that he would say, I regret nothing, like unironically, about extending the worst quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know how you could not regret that. And I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't just admit. Like, yeah, we thought it was a good idea at the time. Didn't work out. That's all you got to say. It's like a, on the office when Michael Scott drove his car into the <laughs> pond or whatever. Like, it just you know, if he had said right after that he did not regret that. Tom <laughs> Coughlin wants you to get off his lawn right now, both of you. Okay? He's an old man. Get off his lawn. I know what it is for me. When I jog in the winter, there's lots of ice, imagine. And every once in a while, I'm like, I can jump that patch of ice. Uh-huh. It would be like falling, breaking something, and then being like, I regret, I regret nothing. nothing. <laughs> I'll never walk again, but I regret nothing. That's as bad as I would do it all over again. That seems to be really stupid. Just get fat. Uh, okay, so there's a, there's a couple of really interesting fears that people have sent regarding the quarterback. And Jeff sends this one in. My greatest Vikings fear is that Kirk Cousins plays just okay enough to get a playoff win and a contract extension. What do we think of that one? That's deep. I don't I don't think that would do it. I don't think just getting into the playoffs and even one playoff win would would convince the Vikings enough that they that they should extend the contract of Kirk Cousins unless it was let's say Kirk Cousins has a great year but for whatever reason they still do what we just said. They make the playoffs, they get one win and then they get knocked out and the Vikings approach Kirk Cousins and they say, "You know that 29 million that you're guaranteed in the third year of your contract?" What if we knock that down to say fourteen million, so we can get some free agents and extend you for two more years? That that I could see happening. Yeah, turn that uh, mic on. Yeah, you should probably talk. When did it. I turn it off? <laughs> uh, are you messing with me, Manny? So- it wasn't Manny, dude. You're just getting old. <laughs> you run on nothing. You I run on ice. I, I, I regret nothing. Is, is, I regret nothing. Is this, is this place haunted? It's a good idea. That <laughs> what's, going, what's going on in here? Um. Well, the the good question is though, what would it take? if they were going to extend him. And I think probably an NFC championship that he would at least have to match what Case Keenum did, getting them to the NFC championship game in order for them to say after this year that he's going to get a contract extension. But I think you know from Kirk Cousins' history that if he goes into the last year of that deal without an extension, it's pretty likely he's just going to hit free agency to make as much money as he can. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does that anyway, because that's how he played the last one. If Zimmer's going to be head coach here uh, for the long term again, so he'll be back in 2020, and and let's say he gets an, an extension, which would not be completely shocking, uh, I don't think you have to be concerned about this. 
because Zim, the pout has been so magnificent mm-hmm. since the since the cap since that contract was doled out. I think Zim's going to say, "No, I can't do this again." No, and and there's and this is just a guess from the outside of seeing the, these two. I gotta think the personalities don't match up great between the quarterback and the head coach. But here's the thing. So whether it would have to be magnificent. Whether Zim likes it or not, or whether Cousins likes it or not, those two are kind of locked at the hip now, aren't they? In terms of, oh, but that's the point. I think Zimmer's doing everything he can to unlock it. But I don't think I he what can you're saying. because I think this is the and we talked about this before. Even with the one year option exercised by the Vikings, this is a prove it year for Mike Zimmer. So to keep his job. Mike Zimmer needs Kirk Cousins to succeed, and should Kirk Cousins succeed, there's a chance that he'll get an extension. So it's a catch-22 for Mike Zimmer. If he wants to keep his job, and if what Judd is saying about the 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 bad mix of personalities between him and his starting quarterback, he needs that quarterback to be good enough to stick around. Can I dig down a, a layer more, though, here? Yeah. Because here's what I think. What we're seeing and what we've seen since the day that Cousins signed that contract is I think the guys locked at the hip are Cousins and Spielman. This is it's being made pretty clear. I think all three of them. Well, I thought so too, but but clearly one is trying to jettison himself from from the belt or the chain here and say I'm not guilty. I got nothing to do with this. I got nothing this. to do with this. And, and <laughs> this whole thing strikes me as Mike saying, no, I told you from the day I got hired in 2014, I would win with defense. That's my philosophy. But do you think Mike can survive? Do you think the Wilfs would yes. jettison Kirk Cousins and, and Rick, Rick Spielman, yes. bring in a new GM, yeah. and go get another quarterback for Mike Zimmer? My gut says, having covered the Wilfs for a long time, that would not be beyond belief. So Scott brings this up as his fear is that the Vikings will get to the end of this year with a very similar Kirk Cousins performance and not make any plans for the future beyond Cousins. Now, I think that they probably will plan to do that next year in the draft, that no matter how they do this year, that they'll be looking at those first-round quarterbacks. But the problem is, if you go 9-7 and and lose in the first round of the playoffs— it becomes very hard to look at quarterbacks in the first round, and and round and round we go with this situation. That's why both Judd and I were talking about the Josh Rosen situation. It's like, well, you know, I mean, I don't know who your future quarterback is going to be if it's not someone like Josh Rosen, someone doesn't fall into your lap, because otherwise you probably won't be able to use a first-round pick on a quarterback, or it'll be the 18th or 20th pick again, or 23rd pick, and then you're probably asked to trade your entire draft up to get a quarterback if you want one of the best ones or taking the third or fourth best quarterback off the board. So even the long term of this, you know, I, I think Scott has a point that Vikings fans don't plan on sticking around and cheering for the team until the end of Kirk Cousins and then saying, okay, well, I guess I guess we'll go to the Jaguars now or something. like that. They, they, I think it would be a reasonable fear to wonder what is even down the road for this team? What is even next year and beyond for them at the coach, at the general manager, and then two years from now at the quarterback situation? I, I think that we're kind of on this very rocky ground with all of these things. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I okay, can't so argue with anything you just said. It's not a pretty picture you paint, but... Do you, do you agree, Collar, though, that this does definitely seem like um, executives and coaches head coach, are trying to mark their territories. That's the feeling I get here. Well, and, and I'm not, and by the way, I'm not even saying 2019 is going to be a lost year or a disaster. I have no clue. This team, 
with Zim as head coach, has continually popped up and had nice years when it's not been expected. So I'm not guaranteeing that this is going to be awful. But I do have a feeling like there are politics being played by guys who are nearing the end of contracts. Well, you know, I, I brought up the power struggle thing, and I was only half kidding at the beginning of the offseason. Like, you could see it, that if you're Rick Spielman, you want Kirk Cousins to be a success because that's your job on the line is how this quarterback performs. If, if it goes belly up, so do you. You're out. If Kirk Cousins doesn't succeed, and the moment that they introduced him, everyone at the podium holding up his jersey, smiling. They all knew that, that if this doesn't work, you're all out. And it does feel kind of odd to have the head coach saying, well, look, I know we spent all that money on Cousins, but you know we, we've got to win with defense. Like, Mike, all the teams in the NFL that made the championship games were 1, 2, 3, and 4 in scoring. Don't you think that we should get him a receiver, another receiver, or somebody else to help him out, or a lineman, or anything. And if Zimmer is fighting tooth and nail to keep all these defensive players to make sure they have a solid, but probably not number one defense, I think that that ship has sailed. You're in a pretty tough spot for telling me that you're going to go in, in a positive direction here. It feels like what they have to bank on next year to go anywhere except being in neutral is Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski are genius, your kicker makes them, which is possible. And that's who? I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. Kicker number seven from Alabama is your kicker next year. I mean, th- that's what they're really banking on here. If the roster isn't any different than it was last year, you you throw in a guard. Oh, I, that's right. Sorry, guys. I forgot about this entirely. This is like my biggest weakness as a oh, your research? sports talk host. Yeah. I told you that I was going to tell you something on the other side of the break and then just completely forgot about it. I was distracted by Manny scaring the hell out of me. <laughs> don't worry, I forgot to. So the, I don't even um, remember I what it no was. Regrets. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. The offensive lineman in the draft. So this speaks to how they're going to fix the offensive line, mm-hmm. right? So if you're expecting an offensive lineman to come in in year one and be a huge difference maker... The number of offensive linemen who scored an above-average grade from Pro Football Focus who were not picked in the top 10 was one. One guy, Braden Smith from uh, Indianapolis Colts. Will Hernandez was next. He had an average grade, which would have been a lot better than the Vikings had. Uh, And then Orlando Brown, Brian O'Neill, James Daniels, Frank Ragnow. Those are the next best guys. So only one was an above-average player. Let's get uh, a phone call in here from Rob. What's going on, Rob? Hey, Matthew, my biggest fear is for you because you're going to come out with all these facts and Zimmer at the press conferences is going to be like, it's not my fault, it's the offensive line, it's you, caller, for asking (laughs) why we didn't improve our line. It's not me. No, really, the Vikings are just in this cycle, what they've been in. I'm 42 years old, and I'm starting to listen to the older guys. We're always going to be mediocre we always have an offensive or a defensive-minded coach only. And until we get a franchise quarterback, we're just going to keep having these discussions. And it doesn't look like we're going to be able to tank for Trevor in two years. So, And with Zimmer, if he's still here, we wouldn't take him anyway. He'd be like, hey, I know a nickel corner we could get with the number one overall pick. You know, not, oh, hey, we need a quarterback. I don't know. I'm just sick of Zimmer blaming everyone else. And this team structured the way he wants it to be structured. 
if they don't do something more than win one playoff game, then I blame the Wilfs because if I were them, I'd be like Jules talking to Vincent after the incident in Pulp Fiction. I'd be like, I'm a mushroom cloud land, <clears throat> and you're gone. So, <laughs> That's a heck anyway. of a phone call. <laughs> Th- thanks, Rob, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. that all was over the map. I like any Pulp Fiction reference. Can, That's I, always good. I, can I defend Zimmer on one thing, though? Sure. I'll allow it. All right. Uh-huh. So I'm going to defend him based on this a little bit at least. The Vikings with with Les Frazier, who was a defensive guy but had a uh, bad defense, the Vikings were getting eaten up in 2013 into 14 by Rodgers in Green Bay, by Cutler in Chicago, by Stafford in Detroit. And I think that Spielman went out and decided on Zimmer – who, who had been passed over at that point by, I think, about five teams, because he said to himself, all right, quarterback-wise, I can't find that guy. I can't match up my QB with those QBs. So what I'm going to do is get a defensive-minded guy here who can stop those guys, yep. or at least have a chance. Yep. And so I think Mike took this job very much the understanding of, in this division, we're going to be the one team that prioritizes defense over offense. And in 2019, he's still the same. Now, here's the problem. Here's the conundrum that the Vikings have. The league has changed. Mm -hmm. And so what we're looking at now is a league that rules-wise, emphasis-wise, every which way you can, puts the emphasis on points and offense. And the Vikings and Zim is still operating under his philosophy. The other part of this problem, and if I own this team, this is where I'm very frustrated, is unfortunately because of bad luck, bad picks, and lots of things, my GM now for a long time has never found me that quarterback. So Zimmer is still operating with, hey, I got hired to do this, and I'm doing it, and if I lose my guys, I can't, where the GM is probably starting to say, yeah, but look at where the league is going. And so so there's a lot of moving parts here, and there's probably a lot of fault to be spread around here. I think I've found it in my Twitter. The thing for this offseason and how it might play out that would terrify Vikings fans the most, I will tell you that, and it is on you guys to remind me to tell people that. Can I quell fears? Can I quell some fears no. so this whole show isn't That's not the point of the show. and doom? <laughs> Because I, I can quell fears. <laughs> this is a Zolgad collar production. Oh, sorry. It's nothing but sounding the alarm. I didn't realize. My bad. No. Okay. All right. Just oh, kidding. Man. That's cool. You, you need to join us, Rami, for a uh, post-Vikings <laughs> Lost Purple podcast, man. I would love to. Oh, oh, the building is burning down, and Zolgad can't get enough of it. He's just throwing gads. All right. You're listening to Purple Daily. It is Collar Zolgad and Rami Maklov. And uh, man, you sounded Hill like you weren't well. sure about that. Well, like, <laughs> I, I only ever call you Rami. So it's Backloss. You got it. You got it. It's Backloss. Okay. Uh huh. Close enough. Yep. Uh, all right. So the biggest fear, the one that is keeping Vikings fans up, that will be next. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Score North, young man or woman. If you want to go together, we'll pay for it. Score North. ScoreNorth.com. Oh, I'm playing it again. I didn't realize that. Yes, you are playing it again, man. <laughs> Vikings fans, what's your biggest off-season fear? 
People sending them in at Matthew Collar on Twitter is where uh, they are sending them. Also at Score North, you could send them as well. Your biggest off-season fear for the Vikings. It has been our uh, our fear version of the show here. We will move on in, in hour number two, and I'm going to have both of these guys, Rami and Judd, pick the schedule. So I don't have a schedule, so I'm just going to have you pick the games that they're playing outside of the NFC North. So we don't have the actual schedule in terms of the sequence of the games, no, but, but we, we have, know we have the who opponents. they'll play. Yes. Okay. So you'll we'll do that soon. I've got it, though. Someone sent this in to me. I can't find the tweet, and I'm sorry, but I remember it. The biggest fear for Vikings fans this offseason is that Teddy Bridgewater stays with the Saints, then they turn him over the ball after next year with Sean Payton and Michael Thomas and the good offensive line and Alvin Kamara, and then Teddy Bridgewater wins a heap load of games. <laughs> the way that the person put it on Twitter, and I think this is the fear, is they didn't let the Teddy Bridgewater story arc play itself out. That I, I think that there are a large number of Vikings fans after last year who would have loved to have seen um, Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum both come back and see if Bridgewater's knee was better and have those two compete for the job. And I'm not necessarily saying that that would have been the right thing to do, but it is a fun sort of pick-your-own-adventure thing when you go down that road. But if Bridgewater signs there with New Orleans... That's going to be the fear because you can totally see it. I don't know if that's the way it'll play out. It'll be very Vikings-like, yeah. I don't don't know what his knee's going to do or if he'll ever be the same, but you could totally see that playing out, that the Vikings stay exactly where they were last year, and here's Teddy Bridgewater taking over a job with a great team and winning and so on and so forth. See, I think of fears as being things, though, in this context that you've done to yourself. So this was a, because this was not, as you said, a cut and dried call. So I get it, but to me, it's not. To me, the fears are what did they, what did they screw up that made no sense? Like this, they didn't screw that, that up. The guy broke his leg and then he couldn't play for a long time. And you still don't know how he's going to play when he gets a full time job back. So I understand from a Vikings standpoint of the fans being like, oh, something happened again. I get it. But it's not among my fears because my fears are X, Y, and Z were stupid. And and I could have told you that from the studio, don't do them. And yet you did that. Also, as much as everybody loves Teddy and we don't wish him anything but the best, short of beating the Vikings in a Super Bowl, it's the I would be fearful of that if it wasn't the Dolphins. Like no, Nothing ever works for the Dolphins, especially at the quarterback position yeah, since, Dan, Dolphins, since Dan Marino left. Right. So I think if he ends up in Miami, you're you're safe from that. I thought you were going to say Cordero Patterson going to the Bears and doing. Oh, that's going to happen. Well, pe- people have already come to terms with that one. That's going to happen. There there will be at least one Cordero kick return but, for a touchdown against the Vikings. Against by the Vikings, you're th- predicting against the Vikings. Oh, but, yeah. if you, okay. but if you think about it this way, the worst nightmare of Vikings fans is that. Kirk Cousins never gets them past the first round of the playoffs, and Teddy Bridgewater goes to the playoffs with the New Orleans Saints. The that, Saints that of all teams. Of the all Saints. teams, right. Yeah. They hate the Saints. We saw that. And they how hate much Sean Payton. Vikings fans laughed at them during the uh, pass interference That gate. only builds mm-hmm. the lore, though. It does. That, yes, that it does. makes us more and more Cubs-like. <laughs> Everything that can go wrong, possibly, that goes against them. You know, it is fun to go down the road, though, with this, because... If you thought about, let's say they didn't sign Kirk Cousins at this time last year, 
and they brought back Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum. And let's even say that Case won the job out of camp and went 8-7-1, just say. They would be in a position now to sign players to put around whoever was playing quarterback. They could move Case out if they wanted to and move his cap hit out for what he signed for, which is about $20 million, I think. So they could have moved him out been handing the ball over to Bridgewater or been trading up in the draft for one of these quarterbacks or been in the market for Nick Foles or whatever else it might be. I mean, the, the options would have been numerous, and they also could have drafted Lamar Jackson last year if they had decided to go with that option. I mean, it, it's really interesting to go down that road what the other options were going to be. I think that they were so terrified they were going to fall off in 2018, which is what happened, but they were at that time so frightened of that happening that they figured they had to get in on Kirk Cousins to sustain the level of play that they had set as a bar in 2017, even though we all sat here knowing that that was going to be really, really difficult to repeat. And then they put themselves in cap jail by doing that. And I think about it all the time and get tweets about it all the time. I, I just wonder if you know, they had done that with Case and Teddy because there's also a scenario where Teddy, his knee is fine and he's back to being himself. And instead of eight games, they win more than that last year. Yeah, right? I think I they, mean, so, they felt like they had to get their quarterback by any means necessary last year, including giving him a fully guaranteed three-year contract that paid him almost $30 million a year. That was by any means necessary I think to the, a T. I think the biggest mistake in retrospect that they made was thinking that they were getting Mike a low-maintenance quarterback. He, yeah. he saw Keenum as a disaster at every turn, potentially, and it didn't happen until the end, and, and by that time it had become a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I think in their minds, Kirk was going to be a low-maintenance QB, and now, after a year, I can tell you, He's not a low-maintenance quarterback. You know, it's so fascinating, though, because in the middle of 2017, I was looking at a bunch of numbers on Case Keenum, and he was good. I mean, pro football focus had him in the top 10. His quarterback rating was way up there. It was always about, can he continue it? And he did not continue it in Denver. But I looked at the way he was playing last year and didn't think he was a guy that could go win a Super Bowl, even with him playing at a high level. And I did a comparison. Okay, so who who are his numbers like? What does he need to win with a lot of play action, a lot of help around him, all these things? And one of the closest comparisons that I made, this was well before Kirk Cousins was even a consideration, was Cousins. And I think that there are a lot of similarities between the two, more than you think, just because Cousins is more talented. But the 2017 version, the one that couldn't get you over the hump, is kind of like the best version that Kirk Cousins has ever been. And he needs a lot of the same benefits to get there. And that's why when we talk about this offseason and what people are afraid of, I think the biggest fear is that Kirk Cousins, it will always be, well, he's in Minnesota. They didn't do enough for him. 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 Because that's what it was in D.C. for Mm -hmm. the most part. In 2016, he put up great stats. They didn't have a very good defense. So the defense got blamed all the time. Then 2017, a bunch of his guys leave including Sean McVay leaves, and then it's, well, he doesn't have his play caller, he doesn't have his receiver, so it's not his fault, it's not his fault. But he goes in the category of a guy just like Case Keenum who needs it all to fall into place to win. And that's very difficult to have happen when you paid everyone on defense. And you paid him $29 million. And you paid him $29 million, right. right. And that was always the thing that we discussed, Judd, last year was, is it is it going to hurt you in the long run? And what... Rick Spielman kept saying to us is, well, we have a plan. We plan for this. You didn't plan for a $30 million cap hit. I guarantee you that. 
Well, and and for sure that plan did not involve Anthony Barr coming back. There's no way. That's that's probably if it true. did, he signed in and, July of 2018, and you know. that goes right into what I was about to say. Plans change because you don't exist in a vacuum, and things happen around you. And what happened around the Vikings since last year when they signed Kirk Cousins and probably planned on letting Anthony Barr walk was the Packers were suddenly very active in free agency. Yeah. The yeah. Lions were suddenly very active in free agency. Yep. And six months ago, the Bears went out and traded for Khalil Mack and took control of the NFC North, right. a division that the Vikings thought they had handily and didn't probably didn't think a lot of teams were very close to him in well, the division. And go back to the Teddy Bridgewater injury. That, you know, the Vikings probably had a, a plan in place during that time, going into that 2016 offseason, and then Teddy Teddy's leg gives out on him, and they had to make a panic move by trading for Sam Bradford. Like, that changed everything, too. I well, mean, they had a plan then, too, I'm assuming. And that's the point about the plan, is that they would have planned for Teddy Bridgewater to get the big quarterback contract, but it wouldn't have been this big because right. he wasn't a free agent. Right. And they could have worked it exactly how they wanted with the cap. Like, okay, let's get you 60 million guaranteed, 80 million total. And it's going to be this much here and this much there. And we're going to work it around this guy and work it around that guy. Not, it's this big, well, massive heap of contract that you just can't do anything with in your salary cap. I've sensed that until now that the plan, though, was always uh, Mike and Rick and Rob were on the same page, largely. They might have had disagreements, but I, I thought that when, when they exited the room that they came out with approximately the same agreement or plan. This, to me, I sense a lot of people pulling in different directions, which can be counterproductive. Okay, so when we come back... I've got all the opponents the Vikings are going to play. After almost a full week of free agency here, we're going to pick the Vikings. Rami and Judd are going to decide how many wins the Vikings get. Also, I will tell you guys when we come back why I personally will miss Sheldon Richardson. We'll be back here. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.